Welcome to Chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. Good morning. So by now you know if you see me, it's a Pathways Chapel. This is our Pathways Chapel for January. And uh, a lot of times the Pathways speakers are a little further down their path than our speaker this morning. But I think we uh, have a lot to learn from Erica, and I think it's going to be helpful to hear from someone not as far ahead uh, on the path as maybe some of our speakers. And she doesn't need an introduction. This is true, but I'm going to give her one anyway, because I can. She was born and raised in Dover, Delaware. She is the second oldest of five children. Her family owned a business, and her father was a pastor. Uh, in terms of education, she has a, a lovely associate's degree from a fine Bible college in Central Ohio, which she earned in 2018. Uh, and she's had a number of other roles here at the college that I think she might describe for you. She also has a Bachelor of Science in Marketing from Wilmington University, which she concluded in uh, 2021. In terms of employment, she might tell you this, but she has worked for Byler Store, which is the family business, and that fine Bible college I mentioned previously. She's been the director of enrollment services here since March of 2021, and uh, I, I think probably will be that for, you know, till 2051 or something, was that? Okay. I think that was the contract I signed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in Delaware, things she likes to do include water skiing, we didn't, we didn't talk about, you know, backwards, forwards, barefoot, and all that stuff, but she likes water skiing. Uh, and she also likes uh, blue crabs. And, and it took me a while, but I think I have the proper sequence. She can, she can confirm. You catch them, and then you steam them, and then, then you, you, you pick out the crab from the shell. Correct. Catch, steam, excellent. Catch, all right. steam, and pick it. <laughs> With that in mind, would you please join me in welcoming Erica Biley. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> All right, well, I was with a group of you guys this weekend at GCU, and one of you made a comment, something along the lines of, I don't know if it's the season of life we're in right now, but we're really critical of the chapel speakers. So with that in mind, I'm going to dive in, and if nothing else, I hope you learn some lessons of maybe how not to speak or what not to say, and we'll leave it at that. Um, no, um, it's really fun to be here. I do a fair amount of speaking these days, but usually it's with high schoolers where you can say, probably whatever you want, and they probably won't remember a thing you say, so it doesn't really matter. So we're going to do it, try it out with you guys and see how it goes. Um, so the last two nights as I was kind of processing the last seven years of my life is basically what I have to offer you. Um, the, the word context kept coming to mind, and so probably a lot of you are learning in your classes that like you don't just cherry pick a Bible verse and read it. Like You understand the context, you understand the history, where it's coming from. Um, so I'm going to just kind of paint you a picture of the context of my life, and we'll go from there, some things that have stuck out to me. Um, so a lot of the context, Phil just kind of, uh, he already covered, so you've got a good start. Um, some, just some other things, maybe I'll highlight that maybe of significance. Um, I really love Delaware, so I'm not just from Delaware, but I love it. And it was really hard for me actually to leave Delaware and come out and be an Ohio resident. I have a selfie with my Ohio license plate tags because it was like my last moment of being a Delaware resident. Um, and now I'm an Ohio resident. Uh, but my family also, they own a business. It's called Byler's Store, which is a really original name. Wonder where they got that from. Um, 
And it's kind of like a mixture of the cheese house, if you know what that is, like a country market style, and then Aldi, which is like a grocery outlet. So you like combine the two into one, and there you have Byler's uh, store. Um, I was a pastor's kid. That was a big part of my life. Uh, I was also homeschooled for elementary. Then I went to a private school. Uh, over the last six-ish years, I've been in and out involved with leading worship, doing youth group stuff. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram, if that means anything to anybody. Um, and I'd rather be completely full with things to do than sitting at home by myself, because I get really bored. Um, so Rosedale, let's dive right in. That was a big part of the last seven years of my life. So I spent four years at the Rosedale Bible College, which either makes me really smart or really stupid. It's still up for grabs, whether or not what happened there. Um, but just to kind of explain a little bit, um, kind of where we're or what happened during those four years. Um, as I was, so back up a little bit, um, as I was thinking about the context of where we're going, I also think of it as, I don't wear glasses, but I think of it as like when you wear glasses, like they correct the way you see, they change the way that you see. As you get older, I think your glasses get thicker. Is that how it goes in the back there? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so as I've gotten older in the seven years, it's kind of like there's been layers of lenses, which is probably not the scientific term, but that's how I'm going to describe it, that kind of have shifted and shaped the way I view things and the way that I see life, so to say. Um, so I came into Rosedale fresh out of high school. Um, I was a young, pretty, uh, I was not confident. I was confident in my setting. And when I came here, um, I was pretty ripped down of, it was a good like slap of humility, I think, in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I gained a lot of confidence in like actual things that were good about me. So it was kind of like these things I built up about myself. Like God was like, ha ha ha, no, no, that's not it. But then he gave me a lot of confidence in just um, some things that he you know, was gifting me with, some things that he was saying about me. Um, and something that I will look at from my first year that was really impactful is just to say yes to things and to do things. So you have opportunities here, say yes to them, try it out, um, give it a shot. Maybe if you've never done it before, it doesn't matter, do it. Odds are you'll like it. Um, if you have the opportunity this summer to go and serve at a summer camp, which you probably will, a little side plug, if you want to do that, do it. Like You'll have your whole life to make money, a little bit of debt won't matter. Um, <laughs> this is not an endorsement to be irresponsible with your money, but you'll be all right eventually. Take advantage of just the moments to travel, uh, to serve people, and to gain new life experiences. Um, so year two came along, and I was pretty ready to go back home to Delaware. My plan was always, one year of Rosedale, go back to Delaware, LOL. Never goes as you plan. Um, so week two, or year two, it was about the week of graduation of my first year, I decided that uh, I was gonna come back and do Bridge. Um, so Bridge, thank you all know Bridges, it's an internship program. I interned at Shekinah Christian School down the road. Uh, I did everything from uh, go on field trips to grade papers. Uh, I ended up coaching softball, which I loved and was a lot of fun. Um, and I learned that I did not want to be a teacher, which was great to find out at this stage instead of four years into a degree. Um, and that year, when I think of year two, the thing that kind of sticks out to me the most is um, that I don't want to be a teacher, but what I did realize that I loved is I loved youth and I love young adults, and I was able to kind of see the value of investing in young people and how it's really a very formative year of their life, even though, like, yeah, they're going to change a lot. But I think the things that happen in high school and in college really set the tone and are formative for the years to come. Uh, so year two was ending. It was a, it was a decent year. 
I'll say that. Um, and then I was, again, talking to my dad. I was going to go home. I was going to work for the family business. I was super excited. I was talking to my friends. And then Matt Showalter said, Erica, you should come back and be the RA. And I said, what? No, that's not how this works. You ask a first-year student, not a second-year student. Um, so I was really mad at Matt for about 24 hours. Um, and I, I remember very bitterly telling God something along the lines of, if you really want me to do this, you better change my attitude because I don't want to come back. Um, and lo and behold, obviously God works um, a little magic wand in changing our attitudes, and I came back. Um, but I do very clearly remember waking up the next morning and being like, huh, I'm really excited to come back and be the RA. Like, funny how that works. Um, but I still think of that moment, and I don't know, maybe I was just in a bad mood the day before, but um, I will definitely give Jesus the credit for changing my attitude. So there's a little life lessons lesson and a lens that God can, in fact, change our attitudes towards things um, if we kind of give him that little inch, even if it's a grumpy inch when we're kind of complaining at him for it. Um, so that year, I was a second-year student, so now I was a third-year student, which meant that I only needed to be a part-time student, so I was a part-time student to finish up and graduate from here. Um, and then I also worked for Hans, who is the dude I replaced in his office. I worked about 10 hours a week, kind of just doing stuff for him, social media, whatnot. Um, and I look at that year, the thing that I got out of it the most was actually the vocational thing of you know, backtrack even more, saying yes to opportunities. Like, I had no idea what working with Hans would be like. It wasn't something I've always dreamed of doing, but I was like, sure, I'll say yes to this opportunity. And ha ha ha, here I am, now I'm working in that job, um, which is really cool just how it kind of full circled around um, in that picture. Okay, uh, year four, here we go, last one. Um, I came back then as the RD. Uh, once again, Matt was going on sabbatical, so he's really just kind of messing with me here. Um, so Matt was on sabbatical on the second half of the year, so January till the end. Uh, so I also then helped kind of facilitate the bridge program. There were nine girls and zero guys. And when I say there were nine girls, these aren't like your chill, like sit quietly and read a book nine girls. Like these are the big personality nine girls. And we had a blast together. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they taught me a lot, actually. And that year, I still think of it as probably one of the most rewarding years of my life. And just there's something really cool about getting to kind of step back and watch God kind of work and shape different people's lives and kind of just get a front row seat to like, wow, like I'm just along for the ride, it feels like. But God is really moving and, um, yeah, shaping people's lives. And I'm sure a lot of others could say that, too, that have been around here for a while. Um, but something I learned a lot in that, in that year is I'm really quick to give advice and, like, I want to fix your problem. Like, give me your problem, I'll fix it for you. And that year, I learned a lot about just the power of just sitting and listening. And that, you know, we all have our ideas of what it should look like. But sometimes if you just take a step back and you listen and you soak it in, like not only will you be able to understand the individual better, they'll feel affirmed. And also it creates a space then for God to kind of use this moment. And I can think of a couple moments where I was like, God, I have no idea what to say to this person. Like never experienced their problem before. Don't have the solution. And somehow the words that then came tumbling out of my mouth, they worked. And they were like, oh my word, that's exactly what I need to hear. And I was like, cool, because I don't really know what I just said to you even. Um, and it was like, I think of just so many moments in that year. Where it's like if we take the time just to listen and to allow God to use us as essentially his vessel and his words, I'm not saying everything I said was directly from God, but I do think that he uses us 
um, to speak in those moments. Um, so I was done with year four. I felt pretty confident at this point that this was my last year of Rosedale. There was no more jobs that I could really take on. Um, and so uh, I was going back to Delaware. Um, I was pretty tired. I was pretty exhausted um, and was ready for just a, a season of no responsibility or something like that. Uh, and so um, thanks to my time with Hans, I decided to pursue a marketing degree. Um, thanks to my dad and my family business, I had some really cool work opportunities where I could go home and get involved in the business. Um, thanks to Rosedale and different summers at home, um, I was still pretty connected to my church, so I was excited to go back, help with youth leadership and help with worship and just to get really involved there. Um, so I headed home, I had my plans and I was really excited about it. Um, and it was an adjustment. So for all of you, especially second years that are heading home next year, it's an adjustment. You've changed. Maybe your church hasn't. Maybe they have. Maybe they're still going to treat you like the little 18-year-old high schooler that you were when you left. Um, but also, I think there's a lot of value in going back home to your home congregation. And I would encourage you just to, to stick it out. There's a really good chapel talk that I think Ruben did at the end of last year um, that you can go listen to on our podcast. So shameless advertising for that. But it was really good. Um, and yeah, he kind of outlines just processing going home um, and also just kind of what church is. That was really good. Um, so I spent the last, prior to coming to Roselle for this job, I spent the last couple years uh, working for my dad. Um, and I did a little bit of everything. So I was in management for a bit. I was marketing. I was buying. So I bought a lot of produce. Um, it was kind of fun, actually. Uh, and I did some projects, some manual labor. You name it. I was the daughter. So it was like, hey, go do this, go do this, go do this. It was great. Um, but I learned in that season, and I'm sure Rick would tell you too, just the value of a business and the way that God uses a business kind of as a platform for connecting and relating with people and sharing the gospel. And there was days when I would sit back and think, I was like, oh my word, like there's 120 employees, let's say, at this business. That's 120 people, probably 90% are not believers, that we have the opportunity to invest in and care for. And then you take those 120 people and you have all of their families. So there's 500 people. And then you think of all the customers coming through your, your doors on a daily basis. And soon you're at thousands and thousands of people, most of them not Christians, that you have the opportunity to connect with. You have the opportunity to show, to just to love on. And yeah, it's not as direct as like this situation where we get to know you personally and understand you. Um, but sometimes it's those little moments that God really uses to shape people's lives. Um, and yeah, just think of different people throughout the years that um, my parents have been able to connect with and invest in um, just on a spiritual and personal level. That was really encouraging um, and gave me a very large appreciation for the business world and the opportunities there. So um, yeah. Um, uh, so why did I come back to Ohio? So I, I had been, <laughs> why, why would I not, right? Um, I've been home for 21 months, about what it was, so not even two years. Here's when I was out at Ohio, I was like so excited to go home. Like that was my plan. So why in the world, after I was finally there, did I say, sure, I will on my own free will make the choice to come back out to Ohio? Um, there are days I still ask this question. I still wonder and give God a little side look and say, what are you doing? Um, but there's really kind of uh, one, well, there's a lot of things. But the one thing that I think of is about six months into being home in Delaware, 
Uh, I remember kind of just, you know, having a nice, like, evaluating my life, like, what is the meaning of life type of processing moment. And I realized that in, if I think about the thing that gives me the most life, that makes me kind of come alive, I thought of like my years in RD where my main job was to wake up and love on the girls on campus. Like, how cool is that? I thought of like leading worship at my church on Sunday mornings. Um, and I thought of, you know, investing in the youth group on Wednesday nights. And it was like, I love the business world. Like, as I was just hit, like, it's a really cool opportunity. Um, but there was something about just like being able to fully commit into more of a ministry job, so to say, that really appealed to me. So I started just kind of like, all right, God, like, don't know what that looks like. Like, I'm happy to just kind of do ministry, quote, on the side, like, you know, traditional ministry. Um, but like, you know, if something comes up, like, I will not take it lightly, basically. Uh, so then, you know, a couple months later, Jeremy reached out, and I was like, oh, well, this is probably the answer to that little conversation I had with God. Um, so I took it seriously. Um, and now I'm here. Um, but no, I, it's more than just that conversation. I love Rosedale. I love what it does. I love the impact it has on people's lives. And to be able to kind of be a part of that and kind of spread the news, so to say, um, it's just been a really, it's been fun to kind of go out and tell people about Rose and be like, oh my word, how have I never heard about you guys? And it's like, I don't know, like, where have you been? Like, come on over. So it's great and it's a lot of fun. Um, so I'm back and it's good. And I don't know how long I'll actually be here. It could be 50 years, it could be three years. And I don't know, maybe it'll be one more year, huh? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but, um, excuse me. Um, so then my next question is, you know, why, why did God take me home for 21 months? Like, why, like, I could have just stayed in Ohio. Like, you could, it's like he was tempting me, or like, just like appeasing me. Like, all right, Erica, you can have like half of the cake, but then like, you got to go back to Ohio. And again, I'm making Ohio sound negative. It's not negative. I do love it. Um, and so I was just been kind of thinking about that. And I like to know the answer to the why. Um, and there's, there's a couple reasons. The one reason being that about the first eight months of Ohio, I really did need a break. And I think being away from Rosa was really helpful for me to kind of refresh, rejuvenate, but also kind of see a different perspective. And then coming back in, it was really helpful just to have kind of a gap there, I think, in that. Um, the other reason that I went home for eight months, um, so there was a pretty traumatic event that happened in my life during those 21 months. Um, so I mentioned there, I was really involved with the youth group. And <laughs> about eight months in, I found out that the youth leader had been uh, sexually abusing two girls in the youth group. Um, so anyway, so this was a pretty big deal. Like, this wasn't the random youth leader we found on the streets, um, which you don't usually find youth leaders on the street. Um, Give me one second, let me just gain my composure. <clears throat> yeah, so this guy was, uh, he would have been my youth leader. He was a family friend. Um, he was more or less like his family was my second family. We'll leave it there. Um, so anyway, so this happened and it blindsided us all. We were all pretty traumatized to say the least. Um, not only because we knew him, but also like we knew the girls and we knew their families and they were really important to us. Um, and we, I spent a lot of time with them, investing in them. Um, and so suddenly I had these two people who I loved and I cared about that the one had really hurt the other. And it's like, how do you, like, what do you do with that? Um, so if I think about um, the last 
that event, um, the last, actually, currently, I'm still processing just kind of like, what do I do with all this? Like, how do I heal and move forward from this? So there's a couple of things that I have learned um, kind of through this story, through this event um, that I want to just kind of highlight and share with you as things that I don't think I really grasped until I kind of walked, I walked through this. Um, so I made a choice when this came out that my number one priority was going to be to care for these girls and not for this man or his family. Um, and I would make that choice 1,000 times over, not a doubt in my mind. Um, and I kind of refer to this event as the moment when my life kind of shattered, which feels really dramatic because like there's still a lot of really good things in my life. But it was like all of the elements of home, all the people that I loved and cared for, and suddenly I was viewing them through a very different lens and things were very turned around. Um, and so, so the one thing, probably the first thing I had to wrestle with and grasp was what is forgiveness? Like, how do I forgive this guy that I trusted, that I looked up to, who like welcomed me into his home? And then suddenly I was like, you were doing what this whole time? Like, how do I, how do I like process through this forgiveness? Um, it's hard and it's a constantly a daily choice that I'm going to make a decision to forgive this situation and what happened there. Um, and, and kind of with that, I also, um, there was some lines that were fed that was like, well, you know, as believers, like if we forgive, like we shouldn't punish him. Like there should be no punishment though. Like we forgive him, right? Like we don't punish. And I wrestled with that statement for a while and was like, no, that's not how it works. Like, you don't just say, oh yeah, you screwed up, no big deal, like let's live our happy lives. Um, and there's this, I've realized more and more than ever that forgiveness and justice, they work together. They're very like loyal companions walking forward. And it's not just justice, it's not just evil revenge, um, but it's saying, hey, I forgive you, I'm gonna make a choice to love you and try and understand you, but also like, I'm gonna hold you accountable and you messed up and you're gonna have to pay the consequences for what you have done. Um, I think of, you know, the best example of this, uh, Jesus died on the cross, right? God sent his son, forgiveness, right? He could have just sent his son, but no, like, Jesus had to die, and that was the justice, and like, they went hand in hand um, in our forgiveness. It was not just forgiveness, but there was justice. There was justice, too. Um, I learned that it's okay to be angry, this like really messed me up and I was pretty angry for a while. And it turns out there is such thing as a righteous anger. And I guarantee that God was angry right with me at this situation. And what I had to be careful with, and I probably didn't do it right all the time, was not letting the anger then cause me to sin. You know, you can be angry at the sin, you can be angry at what happened, but it's like you can't let that anger then control your actions and drive you to um, hurt other people because of it. It's not justified. Uh, another thing I learned was that sometimes when we're just so, so empty and there's like nothing in us when it's just like I have nothing emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually to give you, that sometimes God still is like, but I have something. Like, I have something to give you. And I think it was that summer, so I found out in February about this event, and it was that summer, about three or four months later, that my youth, our worship leader, was like, hey, I'm going on sabbatical. So I don't know what's with the sabbatical theme here, but no one go on sabbatical. <laughs> and I was, he's like, I need you to like fill in as the main worship leader for me. And I was like, okay, I've learned that I should say yes to things. So I said yes. Um, 
And I think of that summer and I still am blown away, like especially now that I'm out of it, of like, wow, I was pretty drained of everything. Like how in the world was I able to get up on Sunday mornings and sing and play a guitar to lead these people in worship? Um, but then I also look at it and see like, wow, like God used so many, like I can think of very specific worship times where it was really good for our congregation who had just been like beat up as a church, it felt like, um, to just like join together and worship. And it was a very just uniting and rejuvenating uh, moment in and of itself. Um, I've learned a lot about um, sexuality and how the church isn't always good at addressing it and we can be kind of quick to shove stuff under the rug. Um, I've learned that I don't think we teach teenagers <laughs> enough about sexuality and what it is. Um, and that's just like a whole can of worms I just opened and then dumped out and I'm just going to leave them there because I'm not going to go into <laughs> more details than that. <laughs> but, um, but I just, the more I'm wrestling with it, it's just like there's so much more um, that I just feel like we need to be communicating to each other as a church from a Christian perspective. The world's doing it. The world's teaching us things. Um, but what is the church teaching us about sexuality? Um, I had to grieve a lot. So I've been sad and I've cried when someone has died. Like, I'm used to that. My grandma's died. My grandpa's died. My aunts have died. Like, that's a normal part of life. And that feels like a natural, like, thing of hope. But there's something different about grieving the loss of people when they're still alive. And it's like suddenly these people from this church that I had loved and I had done ministry with, like suddenly they were no longer a part of my life. But I know through social media that they're still very much alive and living. And it was grieving just these friendships that were broken, these things that would hurt. And it, was a, it is a very weird thing to kind of grieve um, and to process through. Uh, the last thing I want to kind of highlight um, is that more than ever, like I always hear like sin is bad, sin is contagious, like it'll, it's infectious, it'll spread, what a la la. But it's like more than ever, I felt just like the heavy weight of sin and the damage that it can actually do to us as a church, as a body of believers, as individuals. And if I think of this situation, it's like it started with small sins. It started really small and then he hurt one person and then it hurt two people and then suddenly it all broke open and like hundreds of people now are reeling with this pain and this deceit that was caused by this situation. And it's just more than ever, it's like, we're gonna sin, we're gonna mess up. I'm not saying like, you better get it together and never mess up. Like, no. But I also just think, like, acknowledge your sin. Hold each other accountable. Like, churches aren't here for the social gathering of potlucks. Like, they're here so that we can hold each other accountable, so that we can speak truth into each other's lives in love, not in hatred or anger, but that we can call out these sins and prevent them, hopefully, help prevent them from happening or continuing to hurt people. Uh, I realize I'm kind of ending with this really solemn story, um, and I'm really sorry about that. And if this hit a nerve in a way, um, I also apologize if I said anything that um, you didn't agree with. I'm also sorry. You can talk to me. Um, and I realize the story was also kind of vague. I could have probably spent two hours telling you about all the different steps and details of this journey. Um, so if you have other questions, by all means, I'm an open book. I can talk about it. I. I don't know, I usually could do better one-on-one -on -one than one to 70. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I hope you can kind of just see, I, part of me is like hesitant to bring it up because like growing up, 
I don't know if you were like in youth group and like heard the like dramatic drug recovery stories where it's like, well, I guess I need to like do drugs before I can like have a cool story. And so I don't want this to be like my drug moment where it's like, whoa, Eric went through this really hard thing. And now like she has a cool story. Cause like, I think God uses like every aspect of our story. And that's why I highlighted so many things from before this year and a half of my life. It's cause like God was, he was laying foundations, things that I could have never gone through this moment without my four years at Rosedale, without people in Ohio who were supporting me. Um, and, you know, I imagine that in 30 years from now. When I was a student, I always thought, like, oh, it'd be so fun to go back to Rosedale and do a Pathways when I'm, like, 60 or something, right? <laughs> I accomplished that goal, like, 45 years early, so good for me. <laughs> um, but, no, like, I imagine I'll look back at this moment and... Uh, and like, just be like, Erica, like, you had no idea what was going on. And I honestly hope that's true because, like I said, I'm seven years out of high school, maybe eight, I don't know. Um, and it's like, I've got a lot to learn still. But I also hope that like, the things I've learned this far, and I know that the things I've learned those last two years, like, they will not be something that eventually I throw out my glasses and get a whole new pair. Like, my lenses are going to get real thick, basically. Uh, so I'm going to just leave you with this. Um, and hopefully it encourages you in some way. Um, but when someone comes to me and says, Erica, like, what should I do with my life? I often think of two questions. And the one is, hey, what's going to give you life and what's going to break your heart? Um, and what I mean by that is, like, what makes you so excited that, like, you look forward to your alarm going off the next morning? And the, one, the other hand, it's like, what breaks your heart so much that when you hear about it, you just want to cry? Or it's like it makes you just, like, so angry that you just want to fix it. Um, and so when I think of those things, you know, in my life, it's like, I know right now, it's like, I love Rosedale. That makes me excited. I love youth. I love the church. I love worship. I love building things. I love creating things. Um, and in this season, it's like, what breaks my heart? It's abuse. It's pain. It's uh, people being destroyed by sin. It's um, losing people that you love. And it's like, there's, uh, it's like the things that make me sad, like they've shifted a little bit. Um, and that's okay. And that's good. Um, and yeah, I just encourage you guys to think about those things. And it's not always this big, like, God will hold up a sign or yell a loud voice that says, Nineveh, go to Nineveh. Sometimes that may happen. Great, listen, don't run away. Um, but also I think it's, hey, what's going to give you life? What's going to make you excited? Um, and what just makes you sad? And I think God will bless you, bless you in those things. So try new things, listen to others, balance it all with scripture and prayer. Don't just rely on your own experiences. They're good, but also, you know, fact check it with other people. Um, but then move forward. Um, and whatever you do, just kind of take God with you. Someone said, hey, Erica, just pick something. Do something, go somewhere, but allow God to be the center of it, and I'm pretty sure it'll all work out in the end. Um, so that's my way of fixing all your problems. Go somewhere, do something, take God with you, and allow him uh, to fix it. So I'm going to pray for you guys, and then I think you may be dismissed. Uh, so God, this morning, I just give you this group of students, and I thank you so much for each of them and the fact that you brought them here. Um, and God, I ask that as we are all walking um, through life, as we're all learning different lessons, that you would allow them just to uh, continue to impact our life and impact the way that we view others, the way that we love others, um, and that you would just be uh, building up this group of people as people who are going to love and serve you and uh, further your kingdom. In his name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. 
And be sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu slash podcasts.